So good to be with you. I, I so much feel at home here. I see my beautiful wife and kids sitting at the back there, Natalie and Zara and Daniel. So good to see you there. We feel at home with you. As John mentioned, we, we spent a couple of months here. And, uh, you know, we enjoy the summer. The best summer is in Michigan, I say. Being with you here and being an Egyptian coming from the Middle East, uh, we are community people. We love relationships. It's very, very important for us. Um, just having Ali visit this weekend is also a great blessing because we discovered, even in the way we did missions, and I started very young, very little training, really didn't know anything except one thing. I knew that the Lord said, go to North Africa, go to Morocco. That's the only thing I knew. I knew the Lord said, I appointed you over kingdoms and nations. And the other thing that the Lord said is, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Okay, Lord, where is your sheep that you want me to feed? They have a lot of sheep all around the world. He said, my sheep in the underground church in North Africa. It's like, really? <laughs> How am I supposed to find them, you know? So first I thought I'm going to have to have drills, you know, and drill under the ground. And then, you know, like finding gold or oil, you know. <laughs> then finding believers, you know. <laughs> and I was like, go to the underground church. Like, how and what? And he said, just go for one year. And uh, I went for one year. I went back to Egypt. And then... Uh, you know, there was really not much, uh, and I, I, I just couldn't stay. I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to go for two more years. And now it's about 23 years later. <laughs> so I stopped counting. But it's very powerful when God speaks to us one time. One time can change everything in our lives. One encounter with God. And this is why I love it here. I mean, I'm sorry about just one thing this morning, that, that I'm not listening to Rod <laughs> preach. Because week after week coming here, hearing the word of God, encountering God. And what I sense in my spirit is that I really sense hope. I came to America so many times in the last 15, 16 years. But just in recent years and through these difficult times and the economical problems, it's, it's been my best years. I know it's not your best years, maybe. But it's been my best years coming here and being among the believers, among the church, and feeling God is shaking things and doing something and seeing more and more passion for Him and seeing more and more the Word of God preached and seeing more and more, and even as, as we've been here through your study in Job and now in Lamentations. And I feel... It is preparations. It's the Lord preparing His church here in America for the times to come. And there is no reason to be afraid. There is no reason to be concerned because Jesus is still alive. <laughs> because Jesus is he's alive and He's well. <laughs> and He knows what He's doing. And this is... Maybe the, the little bit of glimpse that I, I feel in my heart today to share with you is, is that we come from very difficult places, like Ali was sharing. We come from places where the shaking is, believe me, it's like earthquakes happening, and it's not happening just from time to time. It's happening now every single day. People suffering, people getting killed for their faith. 
There has been more suffering in recent years than all the centuries put together. It's actually said the martyrs that died for the sake of the gospel in the last maybe 50 years, they equal all the centuries put together. Can you believe that? Today, in that time and age. So what is our response as a church? Why do we care about this here in America? Well, you will care about it because your heart is after Jesus. And Jesus cares about it. So I, my heart is full this morning. Just to share with you. My heart is full to trusting that the Holy Spirit will really, like we were singing, be here. I'm hungry myself just to, to listen to his voice even as I speak with you. But today, before we go on, today the church in the Middle East, especially in Syria and in Iraq, have asked the world to pray for them through the suffering. I'm sure most of you here hear about the news and the ISIS group specifically. If you heard about ISIS, lift your hands up. Yes, yes, thank you. And, and the church from the ground there is sending a call and asking specifically, they asked for last Sunday and this Sunday for the church internationally to pray for them. So I want to show you a video from there, from inside Syria. And uh, I felt I want to show it to you because it goes very well with the message that the Lord put in my heart. And uh, after we hear the cry of the believers in Syria, uh, we'll stand up together and we will pray for a moment and then we'll carry on. A child is kidnapped. There is a lot of pressure, special for Christians. They kidnap the Christian, killing the Christian, uh, trying to put more pressure on them, take their houses push out the Christian from the country. But actually, we discover the evil plan. We will not go out. Uh, we have a, a big fear in our hearts, but at the same time, spiritually, we saw God's hand in everything. We, we have the solution by prayer. We believe our prayers will check the heaven. So please pray. We can't change the whole history. We can't change all their planning, all their weapons, all their, their war. We can't change it in our prayer. So for that, everyone, all the believers have to be together and to pray for that. It will be a big blessing for the whole earth.
you. Can we stand up together, please? And if you just would imagine this is Syria, the screen, and if you feel comfortable just to stretch, stretch your arm just like this. And let's just send a blessing here from, from Crossroads. Send a blessing from, from this nation here, from Michigan, from America. Father, we, we lift the people. Lift your voices. If you feel comfortable, just lift your voice with me. And just send, even if you just mention the name of Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Jesus, you are. You are the only one. Lord, you have your church there for such a time as this. And we pray strength, Lord. We lift their arms. We lift the arms of the Christians, Father, in Iraq and in Syria. Father, against all this evil that is manifesting so much, we thank you. We thank you because nothing is impossible for you. And we thank you, Father, that we even hear news that since the church has been praying, Father, since last Sunday, there's so much of response. There's so much of interference. And there's so much, Father, of of, of missions to rescue people, and many people have been rescued. And we thank you for this news, Father. And we ask you for more, Lord God. And we say, Father, over the Middle East and North Africa, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. So things are shaking. I'm Egyptian, and the last two or three years, we also experienced incredible amount of shaking in Egypt. Just a couple of things that I feel to still share on that, and then we'll switch to just something else. And that is, we realized how God would answer our prayers, that we have prayed over decades and decades and decades. Here we are, a remnant of Christians in the Middle East, live there under fear. This was my experience exactly until the Lord called me to go to the underground church. I, I basically said, Lord, I, I, no, it's not me. They want to kill us. You want me to go to them? And then I started to discover that behind my fears, there was other things. And the Lord showed me the situation of my heart. And the situation of my heart was, Lord, it was attitude, you know, and I saw it in a statement like this. My heart's attitude in the statement was, Lord, I'm so afraid and tired of them here on earth. I don't want to do any contribution that will have them with me also in heaven. It's, uh, it's embarrassing when the Lord <laughs> shows you your heart. I got embarrassed so many times. And this is my heart always, that the Lord would just reveal, reveal my heart before him. And so years and years of the Lord working in my own life, in my own heart, through prayer and through... And then we could never imagine in Egypt that the answer to our prayers, finally, after all the fears, finally, after all the bubble, we as a church lived in a bubble, we could not go to the streets, then the whole nation is shaking like this. A couple of verses that came so strong through this time, last three years for the church in Egypt and the Middle East. Hebrews 12. I'm just going to read it. Hebrews 12, 26. It said, At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he promised, 
Once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. Verse 27. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken. That is, created things. So that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. I loved in the video here when it said, but we discovered their plans. We discovered their plans. We discovered that the plans of the enemy is to have the church get out. Uh, the, the voice was a little bit not clear, but she said, but we so we decided we we're going to stay here. We decided we're going to stay here. We decided we're going to stand our ground. And this is, this is what happened in Egypt. You know, this shaking shook a lot of the Christians. Many people, really anyone that could leave, left, <laughs> basically. Some people stayed uh, uh, praying, praying, praying. Suddenly, we started to read articles in the newspapers. You know, Egypt is a 90% Muslim country. Christians are just a small minority there, really have no voice over the years, very afraid, as I said, very much in their bubble, inside their churches, with their conferences, with their meetings, but really not mixing too much. And suddenly we'd read an article written by a prominent Muslim writer. And he writes and says this, with all that is happening in Egypt, with all the revolutions and all the anger and all the things coming up, he writes and he says, the solution will be found in the church. If you want to find a solution for Egypt, you will find it in the Bible. It's the only book and the only place that talk about reconciliation. He writes and says, Egypt needs reconciliation. Egypt needs the different sectors of people to love one another and come back together and unite together. The only place where you can learn about this unity and this love is the church. A Muslim writing this? Wow. Suddenly, the Lord gave the church grace <laughs> to participate and to come to the square as well and to mix with the people. Suddenly, we started to discover that, oh, we exist for this time. <laughs> Maybe this is, this is the time that, that, that we exactly waited for. But guess what? It's the most difficult time. And we got reminded of the words that was said to Esther in Esther 4.14. When Mordecai was saying to her, Esther, you are in the palace of the king. God is anyway going to rescue his people, the Jewish people. But who knows, maybe God put you in that position, in that place, in the palace for such a time as this. And so we think of other verses. In Luke 17. In Luke 17, the Pharisees and the religious people come to Jesus. And they ask him and say, Tell us, when will the kingdom of God come? So Jesus answered and say, The kingdom of God is not going to come by your careful observation. Some people say it's coming from here. Others say it's coming from here. From here. Jesus said, For the kingdom of God is within you. So friends, 
I think this is the message. This is the message we got in the Middle East, that his kingdom is in us for such a time as this. So the world is shaking. Economies are shaken. Times are challenging. But guess what? Everything that is shakable will shake. <laughs> Everything that is not eternal is going to go away. Every relationship that is not based on kingdom values and foundations is going to shake and go away. Every economy that is not based on God's values and principles is going to shake away. Every house that is not built on the rock is going to shake away. For the things of his kingdom are not shakable. And really, when we talk about the kingdom, what are we talking about? <laughs> well, I like to think we're talking about the king. <laughs> we're talking about the king of this kingdom. We're talking about the king of this kingdom. Our God is a good God. Our king is a good king. Things are changing in the world, but he never changes. That's what we discovered in Egypt. This is what we discovered in the Middle East. And so people are standing their ground. People are praying. People are trusting God, even in the midst of the most difficult times, even in the midst of persecution. And we want to ask you for your prayers. <laughs> Because another thing is going on with all the politics. Another thing that is, uh, I don't know how, how better to describe it more than how Psalm 2 describes it. And say the nations came together, agreed together, and conspired together. The conspiracy of the nations. Evil plans are coming together against our God and his anointed one. But then the verses after that in Psalm 2 says, but the one seated in heaven laughs. <laughs> He laughs. He laughs at them. And so in a way, we as a church, I'm encouraging us today. Shaking times are coming. We're learning about, you know, how to go through suffering, how to go through difficult times. We in the Middle East have been always through that, but we have not done good in getting over our fears. Now through the extra shaking and the extra difficult time, we are actually very encouraged. And fear is going. And this is the coming of the kingdom of God. The coming of the kingdom of God is the disappearing of fear in our lives. The coming of the kingdom of God, because it says in Romans, it says the kingdom of God is not by drinking and eating. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And this is the kingdom. You know, he is going to come and purify our lives. We are going to take our lives seriously. And believe me, the last two weeks, I got this strange infection and in my... Uh, uh, foot here in my leg and uh, uh, in Egypt we foot and leg is the same thing so <laughs> this is why I'm confused <laughs> um, and you know plans I had great plans great 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 plans really you know And, and suddenly, you know, uh, you know, instead of being in the beautiful L.A., California with my wonderful friend Ali, you know, here I am in Spectrum, you know, <laughs> with my leg lifted high, you know, and, and everybody is confused about this thing in my leg, you know. I thought my leg is becoming like a, a goat leg or <laughs> becoming like a tree or really it looks very scary and strange. Two weeks later now, two weeks And the Lord is meeting me. 
I love it. I don't love this thing. I don't accept it. I know it's an attack from the enemy. But I love how the Lord is meeting me. I love how I'm spending more time with him. And I, I realize that I'm like a horse, you know, jumping, jumping, jumping. And basically, he, he is the best cowboy, you know. He gets you like this. And <laughs> Sit here. Sit here. I want to talk with you. I want to talk with you. It was beautiful. I made you to worship me. You're too busy, too busy with my work. You're too busy from your family. You're too busy from my word. You're too much on your iPhone. These are the things that God has been saying to me the last two weeks. You're not using your guitar. You're not worshiping me. You are made for me. You are made to worship me. I miss you. You are busy with the mission I have given you. And God once more takes me through a difficult time so that he refreshes the important things in my life. Friends, his kingdom is about the basics. Basic things in our lives. Nothing fancy. We're not waiting for the next book to read so that we know something more. We're just missing that one book. More revelation from that book. That book. And my encouragement for the church in America... Nothing glamorous needed. You already got it. You already have him. So Lord, make us people of your kingdom. Make us people of your kingdom. The statement here is his kingdom in us for such a time as this. We're not waiting. We're not observing. We're not waiting for the government to do something. Like Jesus said to the Pharisees, the kingdom of God is not by your careful observation. We're not needing to wait until, you know, our spouse change. I'm not needing to wait until, you know, the minister of finance do some decisions. I'm not waiting until the politics of Michigan. I'm not waiting for the pastor to change some things in the church. I'm not waiting for the leaders. I'm not waiting for anyone. The kingdom of God is in you. The kingdom of God is in me. You got it already. You got him. For our God, Hebrews 12 says, our God is consuming fire. Our God is consuming fire. He's jealous for all of us. He's jealous for all of us. Just switching gears here quickly and going to three events that took place with the Israelites. There was three events in the journey of the Israelites going out of Egypt that, that I want to share about very quickly right now. The first event is the event I call it, I didn't know how to call it, so I call it Exodus 6-9 event. <laughs> and I was just, I like telling story, we are oral people. And story, people, so I'm just, it's the verses, but I'm just going to say it like a story. Exodus 6, the Lord was speaking to Moses. And the Lord was pouring his heart with Moses, saying to him, Moses, tell my people I will deliver them. Tell my people I, 
I will rescue them. Tell my people that they are not going to live in slavery all their lives. Tell my people, God pouring his loving heart to Moses to tell the people about the freedom that is coming, the deliverance that is coming. But verse 9 of Exodus 6 says, Then Moses went to report this to the Israelites, but they could not listen to him because of their self-pity and cruel bondage. Moses went to report this to the Israelites, but could not listen to him. The Israelites could not listen to Moses because of their self-pity and their cruel bondage. Wow, those verses jump so much in front of me. Many times we cannot listen to the plan of God, the purpose of God in our lives because of certain bondages, because of certain events that happen in our lives that we have the self-pity. The one translation here says, because of anguish of spirit and cruel bondage, because of self-pity, because of anguish, because of, because, because of bitterness, because of certain events that happened in our lives. And I sense we're in such a time that we cannot allow this to steal the joy of going forward in the good plans that God has prepared for our lives. So my prayer today, Lord, come and lift us up. Lord, come and with your light, shine deep to the corners in our hearts. Just the last two weeks, that's one of the things that the Lord was doing again in my life. You know, I thought, I'm the one that taught disciples in North Africa about inner healing and God. You know, like, of course, I'm the teacher, you know, I'm the healed one. <laughs> and there I sit, you know, and then I realized I have certain guilt feelings in my life. You know, I had just a year behind me that was very difficult. My own mom and dad passed away within 10 months apart. And there, sitting in the hospital, just the last two weeks, and the light comes, and I realize one of the shackles, one of the things pulling me deep inside of me is that I had guilt. Guilt towards my own mom and dad. There is a question deep inside of me that is saying, did I honor them enough? Because I left them 20 years ago, and I went to North Africa. I followed the mission that God has given me. And of course, I had to leave family behind. I had to leave things behind. But deep in the deepest parts of my spirit, there is something there that is confused. And there I am sitting in the hospital. And one of my friends who's been interceding a lot for me, I receive a text. So you see, the iPhone is still good in some things, you know. <laughs> And I look at the text and it says, Hanny, the Lord says to you, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I loved it. As if this friend from South Africa, he knows exactly what I'm thinking about. And the Lord comes with his word to heal inside of me. Friends, forgive my tears. <laughs> I used not to cry at all. But there's something in me that is broken. 
for the world, for the things that are happening. And I know the solution is within us here, within the body of Christ. The people that can rise up, the people that can stand in the gap, pray, receive strategies from the Lord, receive purpose from the Lord, and with boldness, go and obey it. Go and do it. But not going after doing good things. Not going doing after some humanitarian things. No, going after what God wants us to go for. How many of us would agree with me that the world needs a miracle today? The world needs miracles, nothing less than miracles. Our friends in Iraq and in Syria need a miracle to be rescued. The sickness of the world, the sickness of how things reached, the evil that we hear about and gets exposed. Well, all I can think about, when Jesus did the first miracle, Mary said to the people, he said, she said to them, anything he tells you about, do it. Whatever he say, do it. And then you will get the miracle. <laughs> Whatever he say, do it. And this is how it happened every time there was a miracle. Whatever Jesus did, if the person listening, listening good, understanding good, and obeying good, a miracle will happen. You know, it was not Peter who was the, who was the, 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 the professional fisherman. It was not Jesus that was the professional fisherman. It was Peter that was the professional fisherman. He knows how to fish. Yet Jesus comes and Peter say, we have tried the whole night. I loved the, the interpretation of a Chinese friend of mine of this miracle when the fish came and when Jesus said to Peter, go there, go there, go to this side and fish. And the, my Chinese friend interprets and said, do you think Jesus know about fishing? No, 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 no. It's much more than that. Jesus is the creator. When the fish heard the voice of their creator, they came running, 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 running to the voice of the creator. <laughs> Whatever Jesus say, just do it. His ways are different than our ways. Many times it will not make sense. What is the sense of going around Jericho seven times and shouting and then the walls come down? What kind... What kind of strategy of war is this? <laughs> and many times what we sense the Lord is saying to us is not going to make sense. Lord, somebody is blind and you want to open their eyes. You put mud in their eyes? <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> just think about it. Mud, <laughs> like make it more blind, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Second event in the journey of the Israelites. It was the Red Sea event. Amazing event. And here I want to compare between the second and the third event. Because there was two crossings that God asked the Israelites to do. The one crossing was the Red Sea crossing. The other crossing was the Jordan crossing. Last year, the Lord started to just speak so much to me about those two crossings. I was sitting where we are based now in South Africa, and I was meditating on all those things. And then the next thing I, that just came to my mind is like, oh, Lord, I am, my next mission trip was going to Egypt to do some things there, and then going to Jordan to do some things there. So 
wow, Egypt where the crossing of the Red Sea happened and Jordan where the Jordan River thing happened. Wow, okay, <laughs> let's look at this. So there's two crossings here. The one crossing is the Red Sea crossing. We read about it in Exodus. Exodus 14, I believe. And there you read about, and I'm just going to compare the two together very quickly. The one of the Red Sea is so glamorous. You know, it's the one that is like there is, there's a whole drama that is going on there. You know, it was after all the plagues, all the fights, all the, the, the Moses amazing leadership going to Pharaoh all the time and confronting Pharaoh on behalf of the people and the people uh, uh, murmuring with Moses and, and all that tension. And then at the end, God, with a mighty hand, he, he asks Moses to open the Red Sea and he strikes the Red Sea and then the water opens and the Pharaoh's army is still running after God's people and, and God rescues his people to to the other side of the Red Sea and the water closes back and, 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 and kills Pharaoh and kills, you know, all my grandfathers, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know, I want to tell you something. I'm a good Egyptian because all the bad Egyptians died already there in that incident. <laughs> yeah, over. <laughs> and it's an amazing it's an amazing, amazing story. Then you go to the story of the Jordan, the event of the Jordan. And you know, as I told you, I, I made this trip and I, I, I went there. And the first thing I wanted to do when I went to Jordan is to go and see the Jordan River, you know. You know, I looked at the Jordan, it's like, really? <laughs> you know, that is the crossing of the promise. I said, Lord, you should have switched it, you know. You know, it should be from the Red Sea to the promised land, you know. <laughs> Not from the Red Sea to all these years of, of being lost and in the wilderness. And, you know, the Jordan story. What, what is the Jordan story? Who remembers the Jordan story? And this is really the point of today. Here is the Jordan story. The Jordan story is the important one. The Jordan event is the event of the day. The Jordan story is the important one. You know why? Because it is about possessing the land. It's about fulfilling the purpose. It's about the breakthrough. It's about the promise that God been preparing. The dream that God had for his people. The dream that God has for us to cross, to break through. To get over the stuff that is hindering us. And the scene is like this. It says, After three days, the officers went through the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant, here are the things of the Jordan. Here are the details. It was the time of Joshua. It's in Joshua 3 that we read that story. It says, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, and the Levitical priests carrying it. You are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know, then you will know which way to go. Since you have never been this way before, but 
keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits. I hope I'm reading it right. Between you and the ark. Do not go near it. This distance of 2,000 cubits, I searched it, is about 900 meters. 3,000 feet. So here's the first thing. How do we, what's the strategy to cross the Jordan? What's the strategy to break through? What's the strategy to finally get to the promised land? When you see the Ark of the Covenant carried by the priests. But don't get close. <laughs> don't get close. Take a distance. Go back. 3,000 feet, 900 meters. Because you have not walked this way before. What more about the Jordan? Joshua told the people, verse 5 of Joshua 3, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things. Verse 11. See the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests would carry, who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan. Its water flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. And that's exactly what happened. And this is how they crossed the Jordan. I look at the two stories and I'm just thinking, Lord, this is really amazing. The story that they make the movies about is not the Jordan. <laughs> it's the Red Sea one. The story that is glamorous, that I, I heard much more in the preaching growing up and, you know, and, and, and we love. Who really remembers the story of the Jordan? <laughs> but the story of the Jordan is the important one. The story of the Jordan is the story of us today. And the two things that we need to take away from here today, the two things that will help us so much get that kingdom established deep inside of us, get those purposes shine again in front of us, the capacity that God is building in us as a church, and this is what I felt the last couple of months being here, I felt for crossroads, God is just... He is digging ways deep inside of us. He's removing stones. He's making a way. He is preparing a highway deep inside each one of us as a church here. And not just as individually, but as a community together. He's doing these two things together. He's removing things. He is taking away those strongholds and these cruel bondage ideas and thoughts and things that we inherited he is doing all of this. He's helping renew our minds and with the truth that is preached here so much because of this moment. <laughs> because he wants us to cross to the Jordan. Because he wants to give us a capacity through his spirit in us that it's not our might, <laughs> again, is not what the Americans can do. <laughs> it's not what I can do. 
It's not what freedom can do. It's not what democracy can do. It's not what a strong government can do. It's not what a strong economy. It's not what the dollar can do. It's what Jesus can do. And that will be the miracle. And that is the crossing of the Jordan. That's why the crossing of the Jordan is about two simple things. One, consecrate yourself. (laughs) Consecrate yourself. Consecrate yourself. And you know what? If you wanted, because I always say to the Lord, Lord, purify my heart, check my heart. You know, that's, that's probably why I, I, I get into times like the last two weeks, you know, <laughs> because he's just answering my own prayer, you know. Why he want to meet with me? He want to show me. I'm too busy. I cannot see. And that's my prayer as, we, as the worship team comes and, and we take some time. Just before the Lord, we're going to take this last part more before the Lord. I feel the Lord is putting some warnings before us. And I'm going to just share them quickly. And then we're going to pray after the worship team leads us a little bit. The warnings is about busyness. The warning is about being, being busy. Pay attention. The Lord would say to us today, pay attention. Are you busy with the urgent things or the important things? I feel that question. Are we busy with urgent things? Are you busy with the things of the kingdom? Question. What has the Lord been saying to you? What did he say to you before? What is he saying to you now? Another warning is about the familiarity. And I get this from the distance that God spoke to the Israelites from the Ark of the Covenant. Did we become so familiar with the word of God? Did we become so familiar? Be careful with becoming familiar with things and taking it for granted. The third warning is about be careful with the spectacular. The Jordan was not so much spectacular. The Red Sea looked very spectacular, but the Red Sea is about let my people go. The Jordan is about to worship me. The kingdom is not so, it would not seem spectacular many times. It is spectacular king, an amazing kingdom, an amazing, unshakable king. But it's about a seed, it's about a small start. Let's be warned of these things. Let's consecrate ourselves. Let's prepare ourselves for tomorrow. God is wanting to do great things among us. Amen.